Good afternoon. This is Banks, Kevin Baker with Banks Takes. Welcome to the podcast. It's Saturday, August 21st. Hope you had a great week. I sure did. We took last week off and uh, for very good reason. My uh, oldest, uh, Bobby's in Virginia. We don't get together too often. So we had a chance for the four of us to meet in Connecticut and have some great time off. And so I took it. So uh, welcome back. And uh, I'm about as tanned and rested as I get. And uh, let's rock and roll, please. Um, uh, my son's Bobby Jack, they're 24 and 23, and they would ask me questions when they were in their undergraduate college uh, uh, studies and business programs. And uh, they know I went through the 87 crash and did ridiculous amounts of homework after that. I discovered technical analysis, reading charts, looking at price and volume, and I do that first. Then I go to the fundamentals. It isn't right or wrong, but it works for me. At a minimum, it prioritizes where my my uh, energy is spent. And uh, I read the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, The Economist, listen to podcasts. I devour relevant newsletters. I monitor what my Google alerts. And I, I point you all to that and give you attribution always. But if you don't want to do that, know that I'm doing this for you and hopefully packaging in, the, in this half hour so that when you're walking the dog and working out, I can be helpful in, in, in making you some money and certainly helping you lose less money. Um, I eat home cooking. I don't have any conflicts. I just tell you what I'm invested in and interested in. Tell me what your pain points are, how I can make the show better, problems you'd like me to solve, topics I should cover. I really appreciate your feedback and thank you. And we're always going to have this free version, but we're going to offer a premium version as well, likely with a Patreon account, very reasonable cost, well worth the, the, the price of admission. Uh, a weekly call with me on Discord. I'll teach technical analysis regarding your stocks, especially especially how to sell your big winners and maybe limit your losses on losers too. Uh, help me design the show. Tell me guests I should reach out to. We just had a great conversation with uh, Matthew Tuttle, the CEO of, of Tuttle Capital Management that runs the DSPAC short ETF, SOGU, which I have been talking about relentlessly. But when you have 23% winners in six weeks, I talk about them. Um, would you like a text that I send to my sons when I, I do trades? 610-331-4283. And if you're nice to me, I'll sing happy birthday to you every year. And uh, it's frankly, it puts a smile on my face every morning. I, I sing to two or three people. And yes, this lilting baritone is worth it. Uh, this is not investment advice. Here's my disclaimer. Please conduct and share your own due diligence. This is getting better all the time. The more this is a dialogue, the the, the more money we make and the more fun we Let's go to fan mail. Uh, uh, the, the best self-discipline example right now, uh, I'm going to do this mainly on the next show. I've got a pile of stocks from your portfolios that I'll tell you when and where to, to, to either add or, or, or sell. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, but you, you're obviously going to care more about your stocks than you do about mine. And I'll be helpful. I'm 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 certain of it. Um, next, uh, anonymous <laughs> came in and uh, and asked about uh, Match Group uh, and the dating apps in in general. I've been married 28 years. I've never been on this, but I know many people that have found fantastic relationships via these uh, these dating apps. And so uh, I think they're terrific. Uh, this is Match Group, the industry leader. They own Tinder. They own Hinge. They own probably seven or eight other brands at least. 
and uh, it's been it was a great stock in uh, in 2000. But I'm going to cut to the chase. Uh, this is violating my sell discipline. It closes below the 200-day moving average. It closed past tense on big volume on an earnings day, and none of that is good. Uh, so I, if I owned this, I would sell a third of it right now, and I would avoid this if I didn't own this. And I've been doing this a long time. This is not a chart that is promising in my view. There's a low percentage chance that it could turn around, but I doubt it very seriously. The weekly makes me think that as well. Uh, it, just for, for context, this is always good to zoom out into a different time perspective. And this did what you would expect to do. It, it got crushed uh, during COVID down to below 50, and it rallied to 150 plus as frankly, the market discounted this recovery that we're seeing right now and the reopening and COVID-19 uh, abating. And now the expectations are so high that the earnings report can't satisfy the holders of the stock. And so they sell it, even if the earnings and the revenue news is pretty good. So this is clearly rolling over. It is a right shoulder, uh, probably going to break the neckline is my guess. And I just I think the stock's in a void. There's nothing about the service. It's just as a stock, I don't like it. Now, you asked about Bumble as well. Uh, apparently, 87% of people on dating apps in general are maintaining or increasing their usage. And maybe this is a market share story. Maybe Bumble, uh, BMBL, which I've always been fascinated by the, the, the simple genius of the CEO, a lady, by enabling ladies to make the first move. It just makes all the sense in the world to me. It's, it's obviously a huge uh, uh, market, and maybe they're eating away at the other apps. I don't know that for certain, but it certainly makes sense. This is uh, this came public at 43 on the coattails of, of, of Match starting to, to march north and spiked up, uh, gapped up to, to 70 plus, maybe 80 at the zenith. And then what happens? It, it, the, the first two earnings reports didn't make people happy enough, and it maybe it has to grow into this valuation. And now here we are at 48, but we held the 43 support, and it looks like it's basing right now. So uh, I have this on my watch list. I suggest you have it on yours. I don't think there's anything actionable here right now, but if we see this take out new highs on, on big volume, uh, especially before there's, there's obvious news, then I think there's something going on here. So as users of these apps, tell me what you think. But as stocks, I think I've got that call uh, pretty well done. Next, uh, this is Charlie from New York. Bakes, hope all is well when you're feeling better. I am feeling dramatically better and I sound a heck of a lot better. Uh, was wondering about the recent bounce back in cryptos broadly. What's been the impetus for the rebound? And should people with wide exposure to crypto take the chance to sell? Uh, my... Uh, as my short answer is I don't think you should sell. Uh, this is the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, GBTC, which approximates the the movement in Bitcoin. It does not do so exactly. But and I think this this applies largely to Ethereum as well. I think Dogecoin is still going to a dime. We had 17 cents down from 70. So it's pretty close to my my uh, a diamond and six month prediction. So Doge, I'm, I'm taking off the, off the table here. But for Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, I think it's a hold of your core positions. I think it should be in that base that we've discussed about before. Cash, gold, and and uh, Bitcoin slash Ethereum, maybe four months of, a, of a living expenses in each. 
so that no matter what happens, you have a, a emergency fund that is pretty bulletproof, frankly. It ought to be five to ten percent max of your net worth, and I think that's that's really on the high side. Uh, but here's the, what's going on with with uh, with Bitcoin. Thirty thousand was that was a very widely regarded support level, and it spent almost no time below that. And when something is such an obvious level, especially with all the attention that the the the, the Bitcoin fans generate, you have to. Pay attention to how the stock acts, or, or any stock, or in this case, uh, the the crypto, uh, when it gets there. It spent almost no time under thirty. I think Kathy Wood came in at twenty nine ninety nine nine and 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 bought everything she could, and was very vocal about that. Uh, other people, I'm sure, bought in as well. And we've really come off that thirty thousand support on big volume pretty strongly. In the case of GBTC, it's twenty four is the level of support. That really held very, very well. It's below the the moving averages, which I don't like. But here we are taking out, I think, the last of the moving averages to the upside on potentially big volume. If we close above 40, I think we're likely to challenge new highs at some point, maybe by the end of the year. That's probably a tall order. So I would hold on to your Bitcoin. I would hold on to your Ethereum. I would avoid Doge like, like the plague. And I'll report on this as I see developments coming down the road and obviously fire me other questions as, as you will. Uh, and part of this story is gold stinks. And I talked about this to a, a viewer question, the subscriber question a little while ago, and I was about as subtle as a two way for like I normally am, uh, gold stinks and it still stinks. And uh, it's rallied to to uh, resistance on, on very low volume. And what's telling to me is that, that the, the Fed money printing and the Biden profligate spending should be a gold bug's dream and gold should be going vertical. And it just isn't. And so it doesn't care about the textbooks because the textbooks were written after Bitcoin, perhaps. So the digital gold thesis of Bitcoin slash Ethereum is winning so far. I think it's taking mind share and wallet share. And I think that Bitcoin is gathering what gold spills. And so uh, I hope I've been helpful with that. Charlie also asked, would love to hear what you think about the Delta variant and what comes after. And is whatever comes after a gray swan, squan, hello, gray swan. Thanks, Charlie. And uh, I'm going to be uh, very upfront with this. I'm not political. I am certainly not a doctor, an epidemiologist, but this is what I think. And this is what I did when I got this question, because I really wanted to be uh thoughtful because this is an emotional uh, issue for many many people so uh, i typed in to google my my biggest assistant and said uh vaccinated hospitalization rates for covid19 and then i did the same thing for deaths and this is what 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 came up after after rifling around a little bit and this is from the kaiser family foundation so the the you know, thoughtful think tank organization that is not uh, prone to hyperbole, either leftward leaning or rightward leaning, in my view. So, COVID nineteen vaccine breakthrough cases data from the states. This is just the data that all the states are putting out there. And here's the bottom line: that the the rate of breakthrough cases for fully vaccinated is below one percent in all reporting states, with 0.54 percent being the highest number in Arkansas. Hospitalization rates 
are anywhere from 0 to 0.06% in Arkansas, and deaths are 0 to 0.01% in Arkansas and Michigan. So those are the cold, hard facts. And now, if you're, for the unvaccinated, that's a you problem, as my son Jack would say. If you want to cull your own herd, so be it. If you have other reasons why you don't want to get vaccinated, that's fine. But for the vaccinated, those are the numbers. And so I'm not scared about this uh, in any way, shape, or form. Next thing I do is I read Barron's every week, like I tell you. And uh, this headline caught my eye. COVID-19 cases are surging. When will this wave peak? And this is from Josh Nathan Cases, the reporter at, at Barron's. And then this is coming from Dr. Scott Gottlieb, the former uh, FDA commissioner. Again, very measured, responsible doctor that uh, you know does not throw crazy statements around at all. And he's what he said. I don't think COVID is going to be epidemic all through the fall and winter. We're going to reach some level of population-wide exposure to this virus, either through vaccination or through prior infection, that's going to stop circulating at this level. So that's uh, you know pretty strong evidence, in my opinion. And then finally, the few breakthrough cases that I've encountered, uh, they describe it to me as a bad cold three days at the worst. So, you know, I know that the, the, the general media is trying to terrify us all the time. But if you're vaccinated, uh, I think we're going to be fine. Absolutely fine. So my takes are Bitcoin's going up. Gold's going down. COVID-19 is too obvious to be a gray swan. And the data suggests that it simply isn't. And oh, by the way, the market has shrugged off most of this news really, really well. Pretty good discounting mechanism. So, uh, uh, my themes and groups. Uh, we had a great conversation with, uh, obviously, with uh, Matthew Tuttle, the CEO of Tuttle Management. They sponsor many uh, uh, ETFs, largely focused on on SPACs. This is the one that obviously has caught my attention and my investment. Uh, I own ten percent in the portfolio of the short DSPAC ETF from Tuttle. S-O-G-U is the symbol. It's up 23% plus so far in six weeks. I wish I had another nine of them, but I know how to read a chart and this is is absolutely going north. I think there's more to come and, um, and I like the thesis that they're going after where these companies get uh, go public via SPAC. They've been out there for 12 months is what we've learned. So the, the, some of the hype has, has been worked out of these things. And they go find the 25 best and, and short them. And so I have here the top 10, which is roughly 40% of the, of the portfolio. And here are the kind of names. And I'm, I'm asking you anew and again, tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why these companies are going up versus going down and where our short thesis overall is wrong. Charge point Holdings, MP Materials, Open Lending, QuantumScape, Fisker, Open Door Technologies, Nikola, Butterfly, Canoe, and Paysafe. And have at it. I'm all ears. But for me, my take is that shorting SPACs and buying SOGU, S-O-G-U, is very promising. It already is starting to, to you know be uh, one of our winners. And... Um, I really appreciate that. And in particular, Ryan and Nicola, uh, uh, you know, I, I listened to their earnings calls, which are two hours of my life that I'll never get back. 
but I did that because I, I want to keep my feet to the fire. And I'll just give you a, a, you know, a couple of lowlights, Nikola in particular. Well, first of all, they spent a lot of time talking about their CEOs being indicted um, and saying that the, it was the CEO, not the company, that's being investigated. Well, okay, but it, 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 you know, it's neutral to bearish. It sure as heck isn't bullish. Uh, and Nikola said uh, that by the end of the year, they're going to have roughly a little over a dollar in cash and they're going to have no revenues. So, you know, why is this not closer to a dollar than it is right now? I don't know. But I think that EVs are in trouble. I think that they're burning cash. And oh, by the way, Tesla, the granddaddy of them all, uh, it looks like it's rolling over, has a very high valuation, has beloved products that people like and are, are paying for. And, and then Ford and GM and Volkswagen are coming right down the, 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 the road with their EVs. They're getting pretty good reviews, especially the F-150 from what I hear. So uh, avoid EVs. And if you're uh, ESG-focused, please express your ESG views somewhere else than electric vehicles. I think it's going to be great for the, the environment and the world in 10 years. But in the next two, these stocks are going down, in my view. Uh, next, uh, copper, COPX, Global X Copper. Uh, I, I texted my boys. I sold a third per my discipline. Uh, it closed below the 200-day moving average. I sold a third. I still owe the remaining two-thirds. And the reason being is that sometimes you do have you know, sharp reactions and then you have rebounds. And rebounds that can turn into resumptions of uptrend. It normally doesn't happen. But it does happen sometimes, and I want to be open to that and have some upside. Uh, we made 13% on our money. It's not great, but it beats a sharp stick in the eye. And I'm going to watch for the 50-day coming down through the 200. I'll sell another third then. If the 200-day turns down, I'll sell that. The excuses that uh, the excuse is, IS, uh, is China. And, you know, economic data out of China is a macro excuse where demand is, 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 is falling off. Maybe the COVID cases are, are, are picking up more than people like. I don't care. Uh, I just, and I can't tell you how powerful this is, where I just objectively, without emotion, get my sell order in and say goodbye. And it works, and I want it to work for you. Uh, so my Gray Swan segment, I added this a little while ago, and Charlie, I put this question in here because it, it, it feeds into this. You asked about Afghanistan. And if I'm not an epidemiologist and a, and a COVID-19 expert, I sure I'm not Henry Kissinger and an expert on Middle East politics and military maneuvers. But here's what I think. Uh, Afghanistan, number one, the market didn't care. So the, the it's not concerned about this, this flaring up, uh, at least right now. Things could change. And obviously the, the pictures uh, are horrific in many cases of the desperate people fleeing the Taliban and, and that's horrible, and I don't know what the solution is, frankly. Uh, I do think that likely the Taliban is a cancer. I don't think they've changed. And I think that uh, uh, we should have radiated them. And uh, I think surgery is going to be more problematic, especially with the baggage of being there for 20 years and spending $2 trillion for this end result. So, But here's my next thought, and this comes up uh, later on uh, in addition with the work that Larry McDonald and Bear Traps does. Uh, Afghanistan is the Saudi Arabia of lithium, according to many people. They have uh, very impressive deposits, probably valued over a trillion dollars of lithium, 
that is obviously crucial for batteries and and renewable energy sources. And so China gets to look at our our, our uh, debacle of Afghanistan and mess with us. And they like to mess with us. And so uh, the, the I think it's very feasible that they can go to the Taliban and say we don't. We have no moral quandary here. We just want your lithium and, and, and sign contracts to lock up lithium supplies uh, as far as the eye can see because China needs, needs this as much as we do or maybe even more. Now, so watch that. That's a, a gray swan that I don't see um, on, on page one yet. It's more like on page 25 of The Economist. And then next, you asked about Lockheed Martin and the defense contractors. And what I find is that it's, it's priced in. Uh, I learned this in 9-11. They had a little bit of a pump, but then the stocks did nothing. It's too obvious, and, and the market discounts it. And I think it's really tough to make money. I don't like the Lockheed chart, the LMT chart. So uh, I would avoid that and look for other things to do. Uh, but, you know, so China has become my, my three-pronged gray swan. Taiwan and the military conflicts that are possible there, the the occupation of Hong Kong that is is being resisted more and more stridently by their own people in the case of one man committing suicide, and then the four people that led a moment of silence on his behalf being jailed. And then the third one, if I needed one, is Afghanistan, and they're playing games with, with lithium to, to hurt our interests. So I hope that's helpful. You tell me if I, if I can be uh, uh, if I can add anything down the road. Next podcast of the week, and this is from this week in startups. He had the uh, CEO of of Divi on D I V V Y. This is a little beyond the scope of of the the show normally, but I'm uh, talking to twenty year olds and my sons and their friends. And what this allows you to do, it's a service that allows you to rent to own. So a part of the, the rent payment every month goes to credit a down payment down the road where you then have an option to purchase the home at predetermined prices in the future. I think it's a really clever idea. The numbers don't seem egregious as to what they extract for the value they add. And I think for people looking for optionality where they don't have a hefty down payment, this is something that I think you should look at if you want to uh, own a home eventually. So check out Divi, D-I-V-V-Y. I have no um, uh, dog in this hunt. So just, I just I, think, I really think you should, you should look at it on a, from a personal standpoint. Uh, the, then on this week in startups again, uh, they highlighted a 13 minutes, the DOJ uh, uh, investigation. And, and Jason Calacanis throws the fraud word around a lot. I'm going to say allegedly so that lawyers don't come, come my way. But I think this, I think the EV space and this, this Lordstown, R-A-D-E in particular, is, is getting close to zero at some point. It won't happen over, overnight. But again, burning money and, and no revenues is, a, is, a, is sort of like Animal House. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. Um, Next, uh, he goes into the Nikola fraud charges. I've already talked about that. But if you want to have even more uh, gory details, go to his YouTube channel and he discusses the many things that Nikola is is uh, accused of. Sorry, the CEO, not the company, but it doesn't matter. It's not good for the stock. I don't care. 
Next, Reporters of the Week. And I think this is from CNBC. I hope I have that right. But it's Rob Lenahan and writes about the big short Michael Burley, Burry uh, bets against Woods Arc Innovation ETF. And uh, it dovetails really nicely with the conversation we had with Matthew Tuttle where they're going to be launching SARC, hopefully, if it gets approved, all those other lawyerly things. Uh, But it enables to buy an ETF that follows Burry and shorting the the Woods ARK Innovation ETF, ARKK. And I know that's heresy to many of you, but again, I just want to make money. The stock looks weak to me. It, It possibly could uh, a rebound, but uh, Burry uh, uh, does his homework. Scion Asset Management is his firm, and he does a lot of in-depth work, and is normally right. Normally early, but normally right. And he's betting 235,000 put options that he's right on this. Not an insignificant amount of money. Uh, he's also short Tesla. Uh, 10, 11% of the fund given to the day is, is uh, in Tesla for ARC, and so he's making a, a pretty um, a strident bet against Tesla as well, and um, and here's the chart, and um, uh, it, it isn't the most egregious chart I've ever seen, but it's weak. Now, it ought to be down, whatever the heck it is, you know, 16% this year. I forget the number. It was a quadruple last year, so you know, having it give back some of the in the gains in Teladoc and Zoom and Tesla makes sense. Just the question is, what's going to happen over the next year or two? It's going to be a very fun debate, probably very public. But uh, ARKK for me is an avoid, and I'm looking at SARK from my new friend, Matthew Tuttle, uh, and his firm about shorting uh, all the components of um, of ARK in, in one fell swoop. Uh, and here's the Tesla chart, and it looks like the ARK chart, which makes sense given how big a piece of the fund it is. And I've said before that if Tesla gets a cold, the other EVs are going are to get pneumonia. And I think it's already started to happen. Charts and tweets of the week. Uh, this is from Prof G, Professor Galloway. Um, uh, really like him. And he just puts this out. Uh, return on stocks with price-to-sales multiples greater than 15 times. And so, and it kind of segues a little bit you know, back into... Uh, Kathy Woodstocks, which almost all fit this criteria, where you know the argument is they're so innovative and, and so disruptive that they'll grow into the multiples because their markets are so vast. Maybe, but the cold hard fact is that if you buy uh, stocks with 15 plus multiples of price to sales, the first year you might make some money, but uh, you have horrible long term returns for years two through five. So you take a look at it and act accordingly. And look at your portfolio for your for your stocks that are trading at more than 15 times. And between that and my sell discipline, might be able to get you out of the way of, of, uh, of some damage. Newsletters of the week. This is Ben Carlson from Ridholds Wealth Management. Uh, how v- overvalued is the stock market right now? And and uh, Ben is very measured. He is not a perma bull, a perma bear, uh, uh, too strident. But, you know, facts are stubborn things. As I like to say, here's the Schiller CAPE ratio, C-A-P-E, capital adjusted P-E, I think is uh, right. Um, And people have some gripes about this, that it looks back 10 years and rates are so low that it doesn't matter. Okay, but the bottom line is the only time it's been higher is is, uh, 2000, where the NASDAQ lost 80% of its value. 
So, you know, this is where we are right now. Could we get higher? Yep, but it's it's pretty lofty, pretty lofty. Next, J.P. Morgan looks at price to sales, uh, uh, price to earnings, price to book, dividend yields, etc., and kind of comes to the same conclusion. We're not as high as, as 2000 but we're pretty close. And so, uh, uh, you know, just know where you are. Know where you are and uh, be, be uh, you know, responding accordingly. Um, this year, we've actually seen uh, uh, S&P multiples come down because the earnings have been blowout. Absolutely blowout, way above expectations. And uh, so it makes sense that the, uh, uh, you know, the P.E. ratio itself comes down. But it still is pretty elevated. But earnings have not been the uh, the the problem here. You go to the next chart, Mike, please. Thanks. And and uh, here's uh, the estimates for 2021 earnings. And this kind of goes into why during the depths of COVID, when it looked really really uh, desperate and and depressing, the market very correctly sniffed out this earnings resurgence that we've seen back to the 19 2019 highs. So it's very, in retrospect, it's very logical. And at the time, you just sort of have to have the faith that this discounting mechanism is telling you something and you ought to follow it. And I didn't do that great, by the way, but because, uh, you know, I'm a human being with emotions, but the stock market does a really good job of sniffing these things out. These are the top five names. Uh, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Facebook, $9 trillion plus in market cap. And, um, uh, you know, they're, they're 25% of the market. They become the market, in essence. So if you're running money against the S&P 500, it's a, just a question of how much of each of these you own. You, you almost can't avoid owning all of them. And the question is, you know, what's going to make these roll over? I don't know, but I know, you know, concentration when I see it. Next is the top 10 of the S&P 500, how they're valued versus the rest of the market. This includes Berkshire, Tesla, NVIDIA, JP Morgan, J&J. Uh, obviously, the top of the market is the most expensive part of the market, but they're huge for a reason. They're, you know, they're, they're generating lots of money and lots of cash flow. And then it's just a question of what you're willing to, to pay for it. Valuation is a horrible timing tool, but it just gives it gives me pause that negative news is going to be greeted with more downdrafts given the multiples that people are paying for a lot of these stocks. Next is the Bear Traps report. And, uh, and I, this was news to me, but uh, and I kind of talked about it before, that... Uh, China EV sales in China are going to be 40% of sales and 50 million vehicles and 200 terawatts by 2030. They don't have the lithium for this. Uh, China thinks long-term and they do not have the reserves uh, of lithium in their country. And so they're probably going to be making deals with the Taliban. Uh, China has a chance of controlling the Taliban to a certain degree is their commentary. And I just put it out there as something that I haven't encountered anywhere else, this, uh, this dynamic going on there. Folks, that is the show. Thanks for staying with us. Please also subscribe to my Bakes Takes YouTube channel. The audio is the same, but the charts that I reference are on the screen. 
Follow us on Twitter at BakesTakes underscore and other social media. Please, please use your voice memo app, tape your questions, and email to bakes at bakestakespodcast.com or write in if you prefer. I'll keep you anonymous as you've seen if you'd like. Thank you for listening. Mike Wilson is my producer. Mike, thank you very much. Have a great week. This is Bakes. And for much needed levity, 15 funniest impressions done in front of the actual person. It's a little dated, but it is funny. Absolutely funny. And then uh, two two bears, one cave. Tom Segura, Kreischer, uh, Bert Kreischer, their weekly podcast. It's uh, I listen to it all the time, and it, there's some salty language, full disclosure, but it is absolutely hilarious, and I really like these guys, and want to see them when they come on tour. So uh, keep smiling, and I will see you real soon. Take care now. Bye bye. <laughs>